shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip. Three sides of a coin. Let's get it. And yes, you heard that correctly. It's a vintage mint classic three-sided coin. Tarek, heads or tails? Tails. It's heads. All right. I guess give me the ball. All right. Well, startup season is never ending, ever. And I'm stuck in the middle rounds here debating between drafting these three players, and I need your help. Out of Melvin Gordon, Michael Carter, and Khalil Herbert, which guy would you recommend that I draft here? Uh, I hate this so much. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I think Khalil Herbert is my favorite out of them. Uh, obviously, Melly probably is median outcome is a little bit higher than either of them this year, but I think Khalil Herbert's probably pretty talented. Michael Carter's pretty talented too, but I think, you know, Brees Hall is more of a force to be reckoned with in front of him than uh, Monty is. So yeah, I guess uh, I like Herbie there. It's pretty ahead of market. All right, Tarek, what do you got? Okay. I, I did have to pull up my rankings in order to give you a somewhat firm response here. And I will go with uh, a different side of this tri-coin. I'll go with Melvin Gordon, who I have as my running back 36, whereas Khalil Herbert is my running back 37. Hey, so nice. incredibly hard line I'm taking here. And yeah, it's just exactly what Trey said. I, I think the median outcome for Melvin Gordon is higher than both Khalil Herbert and Michael Carter. And I th the higher range of outcome, and it's something that we don't discuss very often, maybe it's because he's so young, but what if Javante Williams gets hurt, right? If Javante Williams gets hurt, Melvin Gordon probably has a higher you know, top end outcome than Khalil Herbert, even with Monty going down. So, um, you know, Melvin Gordon showed he was still really effective last year. Uh, I recently had him appended to an end of a pretty big trade. Um, so, yeah, I, I like Melvin Gordon out of this triumvirate. Do you think that it's team dependent contender versus rebuilder type thing? I like that we stayed away from that to begin with, because Melvin Gordon is pretty obvious for a contender right off the bat. And I know that the other guys that we talked about are a bit younger, but I don't know. I, I think that I think you bring up a good point. You know, like there's a good chance that Melvin Gordon has like or I guess the best chance that he has a running back one season out of any of these guys. Yeah, I think if I'm in a startup, which I guess was the basis of your question that the, this perpetual startup season if I'm in a startup, you know, I will probably err toward the youth. Uh, Khalil Herbert as a second year player is already 24 years older. He's turning 24, so he's not that young, but obviously uh, much more tread on the tires than Melvin Gordon. I, I don't know if that really answers your question. I'm basically just wavering back and forth because I have them one spot apart from each yeah, other. Yeah, I mean, it's probably safe to say that like an older guy like Melly doesn't really deserve or any spot on a non-contending roster, right? Whereas yeah. like the young guys, I think you can make a justification for either. Well, I picked this three-sided coin because each of you, as in Tarek, Trey, and John, had a different player at the top of this list, and I thought it'd be a fun coin toss till uh, John got lost on his way home. <laughs> yeah, John, what do you think? Crickets. Crickets. <laughs> What the goddamned fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry Tibinshria. With me today, Trey Cryan, Mitch Yates, and the ghost of John Alexander, who is actually not here today. So, um, you know, in case anybody was wondering why I painted over his voice with that intro music, uh, it's because he's not here. Some great editing, though. We miss you, yeah. John. We miss you, John. Uh, come back soon. Trey, what the fuck is going on? Well, I'm uh, melting uh, here in uh, New England, dude. It's uh, uh, It's been like over 90 degrees every day for the last uh, week or two. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm mad about it. Not not happy. <laughs> uh, and uh, I believe, uh, Marles, you're uh, feeling a little bit of my pain right now. Is that right? Yeah, Trey actually had the weird Boston is warmer than Charleston flex earlier today. Be I sure did. It was a weird flex. Uh, because my 
my air conditioner stopped working for the bulk of the early afternoon today. So luckily we got that up and running, but I turned it off for the podcast. So melting again. So long story short, we are in shambles. We are in <laughs> shambles this week. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and the bigger irony of it all is that all of us are from Austin, Texas, which is like in a three month triple digit hot streak right now. And we're complaining about the heat. I but, don't know what that's like hey, anymore, man. Hey, we got out of there. Yeah, yeah. We're all in much more temperate climates now. Uh, that's probably why, why John couldn't make it. He's just too hot. Yeah. But I don't know if, I don't know if Charleston is more temperate, but, uh, whatever. Well, it's closer to the coast. At least I get a breeze. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving on into some fantasy football content. Uh, first bit, just one bit of news I wanted to talk to before we get into our second part of the Reputation Players series. Um, we didn't talk about this last week, so let's round back really quickly. Julio Jones signed in Tampa Bay. So just want to get y'all's reaction. It was a one-year, $6 million base deal, up to $8 million in incentives, Mitch, what do you think this Julio signing does for the Tampa Bay offense, like for the target distribution there? Um, are you more worried about Russell Gage now? Well, I was always worried about Russell Gage, but I was worried about him because of him, not because of Julio Jones. And I think what this does is it just kind of muddies things up a little bit, but not too much. I think Julio's kind of the definition of a lotto ticket. Like, he's still wide receiver 85 on keep trade cut. So, like, if you want him, you can just go get him with a third-round pick or something like that. But I don't even think that's a good move. Um, not. I think you can go ahead and stick a fork in Julio's hammies. And even if he's healthy all year, I can just imagine that he's going to be, like, a part-time player on that offense anyway. So, I mean, say I'm wrong. Say he balls out of control. Uh, even even if he does, like you can still go get him for like a couple thirds or a second, which I would still think is a bad idea. <laughs> Terrible idea, dude. <laughs> I'm actually surprised to see that he's all the way down in, in the 80s on keep trade cut. Uh, I mean, yeah, I understand. But at the same time, like it is a Hall of Famer, right? Like and he is playing with the best quarterback of all time who tends to really like great players, you know, so I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but it's also not going to surprise me if he walks into 22% of those targets or something. That would surprise me, man. Well, that's what I mean by lotto ticket, man. Like you, one of those scratch offs, like you win the big prize, right? Like that, that could yeah. be him. But most of the time that does not work. And I'm telling you, this is not going to be one of those times. Trey, it would surprise you. Yeah. I mean, we saw him last year in Tennessee. He had every opportunity to command uh, volume in that offense. Uh, I know he was like dealing with injuries because he's old. Uh, 30 plus year old uh, guys in the NFL don't tend to get healthier uh, as they get older. So um, I, I think his upside is probably closer to 15% than 22% of targets, sure. which is what he was last year is never going to be projectable for like your a starting roster spot in your, your, fantasy league and unless it's the deepest of deepest leagues so yeah i i am not really paying much attention to this i think it muddies it a little bit for uh godwin and evans uh but if anything um i'm not not buying into julio jones okay well if you happen to be holding the bag on julio jones and you're able to get a third round pick out of it smash oh yeah go ahead oh yeah go ahead and do it mm -hmm. all right let's kick off this first half reputation players part two so these are players that we are staking our reputation as dynasty fake football analysts um last week we did wide receivers and quarterbacks and as if you remember i had the motherfuckers of the group uh this week we're going with running backs and tight ends. So in this first half, we'll start off with running backs. And it, and it bears mentioning, because John is not able to be here today, rather than kind of do what we did last year with Trey uh, when he wasn't able to make it, I think we're just going to reserve some time in a future episode so that John can defend his own players. And, and you know, we'll take a couple minutes uh, to talk about his reputation players. So we're just going to get to mine, Trey's, and Mitch's reputation running backs and tight ends today 
And you know what? I, I'm going to go ahead and take the reins. You go the, for it, man. For the first one. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to do it. I, I went last, last time going first this time. I deserve it. Worst of first. So <laughs> my reputation running back. I'm staking my reputation that Cam Akers will be a top 15 running back in points per game in 2022, despite being running back 19 on keep trade cut and running back 18 on Fantasy Pros ADP for redraft. So let me start this whole case by actually going over things that are working against Cam Akers. One, he has never been a particularly efficient runner, and that stretches back even to college. Has not exhibited insane efficiency at any point in his career. Number two, his offensive line is average at best, especially after the losses of Austin Corbett and Andrew Whitworth. And three, I would say the third thing is he has another pretty good running back on the depth chart who Sean McVay has trusted in spurts with significant workload in Darrell Henderson. So those are kind of the three big things I see working against Akers. The things working for Cam Akers, he's 23 years old, a lot of tread left on those tires. He's an extremely explosive athlete, and I think how quickly he was able to return from that Achilles tear is part of that, right? It doesn't work against him, in my opinion. It works for him. And he's a capable pass catcher, which he demonstrated both in college and in the NFL, especially during the playoffs uh, in his first year. And he's on an elite offense with an elite play caller who has given workhorse touches to his preferred running backs many times before. So after going over those things against Akers and for Akers, where I shake out is, yes, there's plenty of risk to Cam Akers, but I've always liked his production profile and i think that the rams want him to be their every down back and they signaled that to us when they rushed him back at the end of last year so i'm gonna make an aggressive bet on his upside so that means i've got him running back 11 in dynasty and i'm staking my reputation that he'll be a top 15 points per game player this year all right man i mean first off i love cam makers the player uh was really gutted when he uh, went down last year and I've got him on a lot of teams. And I honestly, I thought about uh, making him my reputation running back too. So uh, I really like the pick. I guess the one thing I can point out as potential downside to his potential upside would be that the fact that the Rams over the last two years, they've been bottom three in the NFL each of the last two seasons in the target rate to the running back position. So for whatever reason in the McVay system, they have not been funneling targets to the running back over the last two seasons. Now you could say that could be partly because of acres missing time or health or whatever, but it's something that I think is a potential limiter to the overall upside. When we're talking about a guy last year that could potentially be like an RB one, you know, now it's like, yeah, I think if he gets the usage and he's healthy and, 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 and it just seems like a lot of things got to cut right for him to really hit this year. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's that's my fear is that I don't like taking the bet on a guy that I think is more the same talent level as the guys behind him. And I know that's like a slap in the face to what you guys think Cam Akers is. And but I just haven't seen it yet on tape for me to like push my chips in up to 11 or 12. Like I have them at 20 and I don't think that that's necessarily terrible. I think that... But you'll never have them on your roster. Exactly. It's still pricing me out, and I don't. I don't have any shares. But I'd say I used to be a hater of Cam Akers, and I don't think that I am that anymore. I like mm-hmm. I root for the guy, and I do think that he will be like 1A in that committee. But I just think that it's not going to be enough opportunities for him to crack into that running back one territory. I think he's a fine running back two. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with all the concerns that you bring up. And Trey, I appreciate you kind of running those numbers in terms of what the Rams do throwing two running backs. I mean, I do think, you know, it seems like so long ago, Todd Gurley was the guy and right, he was getting right. all kinds of targets. Right. Um, but, you know, I mean, the last three years are the last three years. So I so I appreciate that. I think It's like just when I look at his age, when I look at his athletic upside, when I look at his workhorse upside in an elite offense, it just has me 
you know, in contradistinction to Mitch, actually wanting to push my chips toward that. Um, but yeah, like I said off top, like he's never been a particularly efficient running back. So that kind of mirrors what Mitch is saying. Like we haven't necessarily seen it on tape yet either. So I can appreciate it, but, and obviously I'm kind of talking myself into hedging, but I I just (laughs) want to be clear. I'm staking my reputation, top 12 running back and PPR points per game. Hold me to it, guys. Fuck it. It can't be worse than Tylen Wallace. He's definitely going to be better than Tylen Wallace. Yeah, like, guys, I let's do one. Safe there. Let's do one real quick. I know, I know who Tark's going to pick, but uh, Marles, would you rather have Cam Akers or the rookie Ken Walker the third? I would rather have Cam Akers. All right, I think we're all in agreement my, there. I think my ranks represent that too. Yes, they do. Okay, we're, we we can all agree. Uh, uh, would John agree? <laughs> no. Who cares? Okay. He's not here. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> All right. So Cam Akers is my reputation running back. Trey, take it away. All right. So this year, I'm going to stake my reputation on Saquon Barkley. Love it. He is currently the running back 11 on keep trade cut, and he is all the way behind guys like Travis Etienne and Dalvin Cook. Uh <laughs> <sighs> He's also currently running back 10 in Fantasy Pros ECR, but I think there's room for him to go up from there. I'm, I'm going to stake my reputation on him being a top five running back this season. And I know it's risky, right? Uh, but there's a lot of reasons to like Saquon. One, he is arguably still the most talented running back in the league. And he's been hampered by injury, but that doesn't change the fact that I think his talent is on par with guys like Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, based on what we've seen earlier on in his career. And we can look at this offense, number two, and we can easily project him to be the main guy. He's going to get workhorse volume in this offense. And three, this this whole offensive system should take a step forward. It's going to benefit from new coaching, uh, Brian Dabble in there instead of uh, Judge and Garrett. And it's going to benefit from investment in the O-line through free agency and the, the first round draft pick, Evan Neal out of Alabama. So Lots of reasons to like him. A few reasons why I think the market and other people are fading him. The most obvious one to me being the injury risk, right? But if you look at the tier of guys that he's in, all of them seem to have major injury question marks to me, at least. Guys like mm-hmm. Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, DeAndre Swift. Like none of those guys are necessarily safe from you know their injury history either. And Barkley is now another year healthier coming off for that major ACL tear. So maybe you're fading the situation instead of the injury risk. But if you look at the Vegas projection for the giants right now, they're, they're supposed to go seven and 10. So this is way more likely to be like a middle of the road offense than bottom of the barrel. And again, we like the coaching, you know, and, and, and maybe like Tony and, and Wandale Robinson help take that pressure off the running game. So I think it's going to eat and I'm banking on top five production this year. Trey, I love it. I am in complete agreement with you here, man. I, Love Saquon Barkley this year. And now one thing I want to say is like, even if you don't believe that the Giants offense is going to take the next step, and I actually don't really because I am not a Daniel Jones fan. Sure. I've been watching some of this camp and like it it doesn't it doesn't look good. But let's say they don't take a step back and let's say that this offense sucks. Saquon Barkley was still the number one overall PPR running back in 2018 when the Giants were 5 and 11. So I honestly don't care about any of that. The way that this dude moves and catches the ball out of the backfield, like if he's regained that form, like Trey mentioned right off the bat, he might be the most talented back in the NFL. And if he's healthy, this fade is going to look really stupid really soon. Hey, I like it. Yeah, man. I th- I think that the Saquon Barkley that we know and love from his rookie season. We started to see it last year, mm-hmm. especially in weeks three and four until he got that grapefruit ankle sprain, Ugh. right? Yeah. And then after that, when he came back, he was just less effective. You know, he was he was not moving as well as he was. But in weeks three and four, when he started to gain his footing, we started to see that player again. And I think... It's it's just so easy to see, like Trey said, more than a year removed from that ACL tier. We're getting up to like almost two years removed from when the ACL tear happened. If any player is going to get his explosiveness back, it's a freak like Saquon Barkley. Like this is a 99th, almost like 99.9th percentile athlete. So 
Yeah, I, I I agree with what Trey said. Like, I think he still might be the most talented running back in the league. And yeah, I'm, I'm com- this is like the most consensus reputation <laughs> player across all four positions for all four of us. Like, we were all fighting over Saquon yeah, Barkley, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we gave it to Trey. Like, yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, I, I made a convincing argument, but but did, look, I, not not that we need any more narrative around it. But let me just throw out a couple more. Uh, He's been tearing up uh, Twitter and training camp like the last uh, week or two. So, yeah, you're right. Like the Giants itself, like, you know, Daniel Jones hasn't looked great. But like all the reporting and the the word on the ground is that, you know, he looks great and explosive as ever. On top of that, he's playing for a new contract this year, too. So a little bit of extra narrative there on the, uh, the motivation side. I will also one more thing I will say is like if you look at like high stakes ADP, like FFPC, he goes way higher in those leagues than than he would in like fantasy pros ADP or probably your home league. And there's a reason for that, right? It's, that it's because discount. sharp players know that Saquon Barkley is a beast and he's got top one upside. He showed it as a rookie, you know. So, yeah, uh, d- don't overthink it. Go buy Saquon Barkley. Do you want to talk about some trades that people could throw at to get Saquon Barkley? I got it pulled up here on the Dynasty M, Dynasty GM tool. Yeah, let's do one. Saquon Barkley and Elijah Mitchell for Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> uh, I'll probably still take a Jonathan Taylor in that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's more of a fade on Elijah Mitchell than uh, on Saquon there. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, Saquon for George Pickens in a 2023 first. Saquon. Yeah, yeah Saquon. You there. Yeah. Too easy. All right. Mitch, who's your reputation running back? All right. My reputation running back this year is going to be J.K. Dobbins, running back Baltimore Ravens. And my guy is 23 years old. He's 5'10", 212 pounds, second round pick out of Ohio State. All right. I'm staking my reputation that he's going to be a top eight running back in points per game. I think that J.K. Dobbins will also be ranked in the top 12 by all three of you. All right, let's just say all two of you by the end of this year. And I think that he will be a surefire first-round pick in redraft leagues in 2022. And here's why. We're always looking for that next guy, right? And J.K. was supposed to be it last year before he tore his ACL in that preseason game, which, as you know, Josh McDaniels loved that shit. But... We're trying to find which running back is going to make that jump from running back two territory to running back one territory. And I'm telling you, we have our guy. JK is being ranked at running back 16 on keep trade cut, running back 21 on player profiler. So, yeah, valued as running back two. And his rookie year started slow. He had a single digit carries for the first six games. But after that week seven bye, he hit that double digit carries every game, started to light it up. And he was ascending towards the end of his rookie year, just like Jonathan Taylor did. But instead of that breakout in 2021, we got the ACL tear instead. Yeah. So our smallest sample size that we got for Dobbins is that he ranked number seven in fantasy points per opportunity, number one in true yards per carry, number three in yards per touch, and number four in breakaway runs. And he's in that 99th percentile when it comes to speed as well. The dude can fly. And like I mentioned before, 5'10", 212, number five in juke rate. Like, it sounds like we're talking about a compact version of Saquon Barkley. But the difference is this offense might be the most dangerous and potent offense in the league this year. And I believe that he's going to be the workhorse or at the very least, the undisputed leader of that committee. So other than injury, the only knock on his game is that like he really doesn't necessarily catch the ball too much. He only had 24 targets his rookie year in 15 games with 18 receptions. And let's see, I mean, nothing from his college game really suggests that he's going to increase that either. He averaged about 24 receptions a year. That's not bad, though. What I've seen is that he can do it when he's asked, right? Yeah. So I guess why number nine then? Why is he my number nine running back overall? And it's because the time is now. We're going to beat the market there and... We're going to do it because he's just that good of a player and that good of an offense. And what I mean by now is the time to buy him. Like, you don't often get to pay running back 14 prices for a 23-year-old with that upside. And if you wait till next year, he's only going to be a year older and more expensive after he explodes this year. 
Yeah, man, I like it. And I'm, I'm actually already there. I've got him as my running back 12. So uh, Hot damn. I, I'm with you, man. Um, you know, it's funny it, to me. I see a lot of similarities between him and Cam Akers, right? So J.K. Dobbins uh, has the benefit of producing really great efficiency as a rookie, which you pointed out. And, and so there's no doubt in my mind that he's an efficient, good, talented NFL running back. And I do think he's going to ball out this year. There's the two things that worry me. You already talked about the lack of targets. I think that's kind of maybe part of his rookie game, but it also could just be part of that offense and being in that system mm-hmm. with Lamar Jackson. And, um, you know, that's just how the Ravens run their offense. The other thing is, you know, there's potentially a limited upside with like Lamar Jackson running in touchdowns in the red zone or like Mark Andrews being the preferred red zone target. I, I think you could argue that the offense itself is going to be so good. That's not really going to matter much, but mm-hmm. it could, you know, prevent him from reaching like Jonathan Taylor tier output. And he'll, you know, maybe be more of like that Joe Mixon, which is still great, great for your fantasy squad. Mm-hmm. He's my running back 13. So I'm I'm not super far off either with JK Dobbins, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know what to say other than to be redundant with Trey. It's like the lack of targets and the lack of, you know, expected opportunity share. Like, you know, he, he doesn't really have a route to workhorse, you know, level, you know, opportunity. So that's the one thing, because I do believe from like a talent perspective, probably a top eight running back. Tarek, can you can you explain that a little bit? Like, what do you mean? Like, he doesn't have a route to like workhorse uh, because it seems like if he's healthy and, you know, Gus Edwards is still coming back from injury or not 100 percent or whatever, you know, why not like pencil him in for 70 percent of the opportunity? I think if Gus Edwards is still the what the system that Greg Roman runs and John Harbaugh runs, I think even if Gus Edwards is not fully back, like they're going to find other players to give, you know, a piece of the work to. They just don't seemingly give a player like jk dobbins despite his elite talent level i just don't see them giving him like more than 60 65 percent okay and that's where where he he had as a rookie obviously we expect this to grow in his third year as a rookie his opportunity share was 40.3 percent and his snap share was 46.9 percent but it increased as the year went I, yeah. on and I expect it increased that. as the year on and I, I expect it to increase even more. But do I expect it to go much past 60 or 65 percent? No. And that's why I can't necessarily get him into, you know, that top 10 range that Cam Akers for me is knocking on the door of. Yeah, I think that he can be efficient enough with 65 percent to just slay. I think if, if he gets 65 percent on that offense, man. Wheels up, top five. That doesn't bother me at all. If that includes some targets along with it, then I'm there with you. But that that's the other side of the coin, right? No, that's, that's fair that's, enough. Yeah. yeah, that's why I'm skeptical. A lot of consensus today, boys. Mm-hmm. A lot of consensus. Too bad John's our three, not here. Yeah. <laughs> our three running backs were Cam Akers for me, Saquon Barkley for Trey, and J.K. Dobbins for Marles. Mic check. It is halftime. Nas, why did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's halftime. All right, running it back like we did for last week. This week, we are going to provide y'all some running back or tight end honorable mentions. Like, you know, we had to choose between a couple of different guys. Uh, there's probably a couple guys that we wanted to talk about that we weren't able to talk about. So I'll go ahead and get us started. Um, my reputation running back honorable mention is Aaron Jones of the Green Bay Packers. Yes, he is going to be turning 28 in December, which is why I have him as my dynasty running back 20. But I actually considered him as a reputation player for 2022 solely because I think he's essentially a lock for top eight production this year if he stays healthy. I think he is the best overall pass catcher on the Packers right now. Aaron Rodgers loves and trusts him. He's going to get a lot of high value touches this season. And we know that from a talent perspective, Aaron Jones is a stone cold baller. I think he was a screaming buy back in the spring when he was kind of approaching running back 25, 26 on keep trade cut. But the market has caught up. He's actually running back 18 on keep trade cut, a little bit ahead of where I have him. So I'm aligned with that. 
And uh, yeah, he's my running back honorable mention. Mitch, looks like uh, you have uh, a, kind of the opposite side of this coin here. So it's just the this is the coin toss episode. We're just hucking yeah. coins, three sided, sixty nine sided. Mike check. It's coin time. Yeah, coin check. It's AJ Dillon time. <laughs> Like the other guy in Green Bay, AJ Dillon is actually on most of my rosters across the leagues here. I just actually added him in another startup at 8.9, where you guys will like this. Aaron Jones went at 4.12. Oh, but, Jesus uh, <laughs> Anyway, I don't want to waste time. Well, that's what it was. I didn't want to waste time on an AJ Dillon segment because this is kind of a guy that I was suggesting to go get last year. Like most of my AJ Dillon shares were acquired last offseason when I purchased him on the cheap because he was running back 32. And so, yeah, I I think this year, in order to avoid such hindsight analysis, perhaps go trade for J.K. Dobbins. (laughs) There you go. There you go. (laughs) A little self-promotion there. I like it. Yeah. All right, Trey, who is your reputation player honorable mention this week? All right, so so my honorable mention, I'm going to tip my hand a little bit here. I'm actually going to go with the tight end. Uh, So I'm going to go with an honorable mention for Mike Gusecki for the Dolphins. Keep trade cuts, got him at tight end 13. He's my tight end number 10. He had great volume last year, 111 targets, uh, which was only good for 73 catches, 780 yards, and he only scored two touchdowns. So some positive uh, regression there incoming. But um I'm going to change it up a little bit. Instead of talking about like air yards share and like the usual usual thing that I talk about, I'm going to do something a little more focused on usage here. So obviously he's got a new coach uh, and Tyree Kills in town now. So mm. if you look at the Miami offense last year, they used an insane amount of two tight end sets. If you look at sharp football analysis, Miami was in 12 personnel. So one running back, two tight ends for 61% of plays last year which was by far and away the number one in the league. The number two in the NFL was Green Bay at 29%, so less than half the rate of Miami, which is crazy to me. So if you project Miami to go into this season a little bit more balanced, like the San Francisco office, offense, they take that tight end two off the field, and who are they going to replace him with? Tyreek Hill? So the offense automatically gets better, and you know that, coach, that coaching staff, they know how to use a tight end. I know that's narrative but come on. <laughs> And all that is to say is like, I don't really see Tyreek Hill taking away too much volume from Gusecki. He's more going to be eating into, you know, the fact that there was some really bad receiver play on that team last year. So to mm-hmm. me, I think Gusecki's easy money at cost right now. I like Gusecki there. Yeah, Trey, when you said, it, you know, instead of talking about air yard share and all this stuff I normally talk about, I thought you were about to go into a film breakdown. Dude. Nah, dude, no, no, no. <laughs> I thought you were going to start cracking wise and making jokes, to be honest with you. Here, yeah. Here's my film breakdown for you. Uh, uh, Mike Gusecki is better than Adam Shaheen and deserves yeah. all of the tight end targets on that team. Yeah, and he also has the biggest chest in That's the league. That's true. Extremely broad. Um, yeah, ex- extremely broad. Mr. Big Chest, Mike Gesicki. I considered making him my guy as well, so I'm glad you you mentioned him there, Trey. So much consensus right. today. I love it. You love consensus. Speaking of our guys, let's kick off this second half where we will talk about our actual reputation tight ends, and I'll kick us off. My reputation tight end is Dallas god dirt yes go the dirt. dirt of god i am staking my reputation that dallas goddard is universally considered a top five dynasty tight end by the end of the 2022 regular season he's currently the tight end eight per per um Adeko's adp which is paid sleeper leagues i've got him essentially tied for tight end five with darren waller he's just i mean let, let me be narrative here. Dallas Goddard just got that thing, guys. He's got that dog in him. You know what I'm saying? Whoa. He is Whoa. a great athlete who uses that athleticism on the field. He led the position in yards per route run last year. We know that Dallas Goddard has played second fiddle to Zach Ertz through 80% of his rookie contract, but his target rate stats have been very good since he entered the league. So when he gets on the field, he commands targets at an elite level. And when Ertz left, 
He did exactly what we expected he could do as the starter. He commanded 22% of the targets. Yes, his efficiency, that yards per route run, that'll likely decrease. He was like knocking on the door of three yards per route run. But also four touchdowns on 830 yards last year, that's pretty low too. So that could regress to the mean as well. I understand there's two big caveats here to my Dallas Goddard top five tight end breakout, and that's A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Yes, both of those players are very good. I'm actually higher than market on all of Dallas Goddard, A.J. Brown, and Devontae Smith. So in my leagues, I've been most aggressively targeting Goddard of the three of them because I think from a talent perspective, he's just as good as every other tier one tight end, and that will continue to bear out like it did last year once Zach Ertz was out of there. So when you're thinking about Eagles pass catchers, you basically need to make a decision on one of them because they're all discounted right now because the market thinks they'll all cannibalize one another. So the the aggressive play I am making across my leagues is on Dallas Goddard because I think he in relation to his position group, will return the most value if he hits. That's true. I mean, with the positional scarcity at tight end, you, you almost that, that almost makes it a good bet in itself because, like you said, if he hits, it hits. But I just, I'm more on Team A.J. Brown with this one. I think they mm-hmm. ponied up and went and got him for that reason. And look, Goddard is 27. Like, he's in that prime breakout time but he's already broken out if you will so i think like there are reasons to expect that he could further take strides to be even a better tight end and a better fantasy tight end but if he stays healthy all year that would help but i i do i do worry about and i know that's the argument right i do worry about the wide receivers and it prices me out of acquiring goddard in any league i have zero shares yeah, I, I think I'm kind of in between you two guys on on Go Dirte here. I've uh, I have acquired him this offseason. I was on the clock in a, a rookie draft instead of taking uh, George Pickens or James Cook. I traded that pick uh, on the clock for uh, for Goddard, so I felt good about that. Um, that said, I think I am a little bit more concerned about the median outcome here than Tarek is with AJ Brown with Devontae Smith. There, I just have a hard time projecting the volume to get him into the top six, but I, I do not dispute at all that the upside is there. And, you know, I mean, if that whole offense takes a step forward, who's to say they couldn't uh, support three pass catchers, but I, I wouldn't project that right now. Yeah. I think the talent's there. I, th- talent's I think you're there. right. Like, I, and it's, it's tough to, to fade somebody when you say the talent's there, but that's just, part of this position group it's like you might be talented but you just might not be getting the sort of volume that's going to get you above tight end 10 i mean i he was he had 87 receptions but his his sophomore season and or is it 87 targets his sophomore season and still could only couldn't even crack the top 10 so i mean we'll see man i was still developing back then all i'm saying is Dallas Goddard, very good. And I and I do think that taking issue with what you just said, Mitch, I do think when a player is as talented as Dallas Goddard is, they find their way into, you know, top six production and definitely find their way into top five dynasty value eventually. So yeah. I, I I'm I'm banking on that happening. And I'm just so high on the talent. I can jive with that. And Trey, to just throw it back to you. Um, So yeah, he was definitely still developing his sophomore season. I was comparing it to last season where he went from 87 targets that sophomore season to 76 targets. And it's all been around the same results. Yeah, he he missed some games also last year. Let's you know, let's make sure we're evaluating him on a per game basis. Well, there were he played in 15 games both of those seasons. Yeah, and we could we could even talk about like the greater Philadelphia offense here, you know, like I know they were run heavy last year. I know Jalen Hurts has not proven himself like to be a consistent starter in the league yet. I think to believe in Goddard and all these other pieces, you kind of have to expect this uh offense to pass more than they have uh, at a higher rate and you know, by signing AJ Brown and uh or making that trade for him, you know, I think that that's probably proof that they are going to throw the ball a little yeah. bit more 
this year going forward. Played in 15 games, but he he definitely left one early. So I, you know, I, so that's I think, AJ Brown's I, thing too, man. I use that look, argument look, when talking about AJ. Don't you know, worry. I just. I, I just want to, you know, total target numbers, they're a little bit misleading, especially when you consider that the first seven weeks of the season, Zach Ertz was there, right? Yeah, so true. let's make sure we're looking on a per game basis once he is the primary tight end, which is going to be the situation moving forward. But AJ Brown also coming to town. So you can you can you can talk out of both sides of your mouth there. I completely get it. All right, Mitch, let's move on to your reputation tight end. All right, guys, I really didn't want to do this. I didn't want to choose a tight end because I'm not drastically ahead of market on any tight end that I feel strongly about. And I tried to weasel my way out of this, maybe steer the conversation into plea for a designation for the tight end and wide receivers and fantasy to just be called pass catchers, effective yeah. immediately. And that way we can <laughs> stop talking about dipshits like Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry and Gerald Everett and Hayden Hurst. Like, get them out of there. So I asked Tarek if I could do the late round boys, the uh, the guys I mentioned, Gerald Everett, Hayden Hurst, Robert Tunyon, David Njoku, dudes that I would rather target and pay than pay the extra for the bona fide mids like Hawkinson, Komet, Dawson Knox, and Mike Giusecki. I think that strategy would best represent my reputation and my style of play, but I was told to choose a guy, so... Without further ado, my reputation player is Dalton Schultz. I have him ranked tight end five, and Schultz broke out in a huge way last year, and it was right out of the gates, too. Consistent all year long, 104 targets, 78 receptions, 808 yards, eight touchdowns. And he's got good size, pretty much the same size as Goddard here, 6'5", 244, and while his tool belt doesn't feature elite speed or strength, he does have that ability to get open in the zones and has soft hands and has provided that safety net for Dak. So that chemistry between them is real, and I fully expect it to translate consistently into fantasy points this year as well. Last year, he was tight end three in points per game. So I'll stake my reputation that he is a top five tight end again this year. But my draft strategy is not really consistent with that. Like, I try to get a top four tight end if they fall to me in a startup, but I don't reach for one. And if I get one, that's great. If I don't, that's cool. And those top four guys are Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, George Kittle, and Travis Kelsey. And I think there's a big drop-off right after that, and I'm not willing to draft a tight end in round six, seven, or eight. So I basically just priced myself out of Schultz, and out of Waller, and out of Hawkinson. And according to Adeco ADP anyway, Schultz is going at 7.06. So so, so this, that's in a startup, right? But like you're saying mm -hmm. even like for people on the trade market, don't bother making a trade for him? No, that's not what I'm saying. So I'm pricing myself out in a startup. Okay. But after that, after the, the dust has settled a bit, he's on my radar, and he's one of the first people I'm trying to trade for. So I think like trade-wise things shake out a little easier. Tarek and I made a trade. It was uh, Justin Bateman and Gabe Davis for Darnell Mooney. Rashad Bateman, Rashad Bateman. Oh, Justin Jason Bateman. Bateman. Jason Bateman. <laughs> Tarek and you I know, made Ozark, a trade. Ozark, Arrested Development, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rashad Bateman and Gabe Davis for Mooney and Schultz. And I guess that's an example of what I mean. I wouldn't trade Bateman for Schultz. And that's about the same area in the in a startup that they're getting taken right but i would do this double trade to get him so i know this is a little weird advice but I, it's the only way that i can really justify having schultz on my team and i do want to have him on my team yeah you like him more in like an established league or post startup mm -hmm. than like in a startup environment i mean that's cool i i don't i don't mind that i think Looking at his projection, like I agree. I mean, his, his projection median outcome is definitely a top 10 tight end, like no disputing that. I, I do have concerns about just the talent level there, like the efficiency. Can he really be a consistent top option or top tier you know, tight end? I don't know that he will, but I definitely think he's going to benefit from a lot of volume this year. So uh, top 10, I, I'm totally with you. Top five or six, like I, I'd like some other guys more in that range. 
Well, I notably skipped over Waller, and I think that for me is I think that yeah, I think that Schultz can do this longer, and so there's a big if here too because Schultz is on that franchise tag, and if he leaves Dallas, like that's not good, right? That's not what I want. I think as long as he's paired with Dak, though, it's pretty much money in the bank at tight end. I think that you're going to get that top five production. I legitimately do. Just just even if he's falling into it, he's still getting it. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's just kind of it sucks to say I don't love the talent, but I love the situation and therefore I'm putting my reputation on it. <laughs> but when you twist my arm and make me take a tight end, that's sometimes it's what you got to do. I think a lot of people would take Waller over Schultz. That's a good line in the sand there. Yeah, I mean, you know, just to kind of summarize what I'm taking away from Mitch's perspective here is like he really highly values those top four tight ends for him. I mean, I I think it's interesting that y- you have Schultz in, in a similar tier as Darren Waller, but that uh, that's fine. But the perspective is once you get outside of those four, it's kind of like what we usually talk about once you get outside of the top eight, right? You you want to take your bet on the guy that you think is going to mo- return the most value in the immediate sense because tight end is more generally a wasteland. So that having that tight end five ranking for you is more of just like a signal that this is the person outside of the elite tier that I want to buy at cost because I think he's going to return elite or near elite production in the short term. And that's all I can bank on with this wasteland position. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. All right. Let's move on and close out with Trey's reputation tight end. All right. Well, I'm going to go for even more of a value then within the tight end wasteland. So uh, my reputation tight end is going to be Zach Ertz. The guy who has been cloistering That's my right. reputation player for four <laughs> years, but go ahead, Drake. That's right. Go Dirtes, former teammate, now in the desert. Uh, he's he's keep trade cut, uh, tight end 18. He's my tight end 12 for Dynasty. I, I Like I said, I think he's the best value right now at the position for a contending roster. I'm banking on him putting up a top six year uh, this year, so... Last season, uh, Zach Ertz, uh, with just looking at the Arizona split, so 11 games last season, he had uh, 56 catches, 574 yards, and three touchdowns. That was good for uh, basically 12 PPR points per game. That would have put him at like number six, basically tied with TJ Hawkinson and Darren Waller. So you compare or you combine that with the fact that on the year he was number seven in target share with 19.3%. Number 10 in air yard share was 17.9%. And number four in target rate, so targets per route run, 27.1%. The overall volume is going to be there. And and where he can improve from last year is in the touchdown. So he only had five touchdowns on the full season. He's due for some positive regression, especially because he was top six uh, on the season last year in red zone targets at 18. So we know that Arizona is going to use him as a red zone weapon. I think we can project him to take some targets that went to uh, Nook or went to James Conner last year. You know, those guys, we know D-Hop is going to miss some time. We know Conner is probably going to regress in the touchdown. So I'm not worried about the rookie tight end. I think, you know, that transition to McBride starts happening in 2024 in 20 mm-hmm. or 2023, I guess. In 2022, the job is all Zach Ertz, and I think he's a top six option. Yeah, McBride's even hurt right now, so anybody that was hopeful that he would, like, I don't know, start getting on early, that's that's not going to happen. But right. that doesn't happen with tight ends. Ertz was actually going to be my reputation player, too, until I passed him on to you because I realized in this startup that I'm in, I kept passing on him. And I and I kept just thinking to myself, like, I can't justify this. Like, I, I pass on him at his position, and then I go and choose the guy, Schultz, that I advise you to pass on. But uh, he's, let's see, Zach Ertz is going around the 11th or 12th round in a startup. How do you feel about that? I haven't done a startup in the last month, uh, but I think it's great value, man. I mean, if, if you're trying to win in year one, then he's one of the cheapest options you can get yeah. for a contender. You know, I, if you're, you know, looking to do a productive struggle, 
I don't think he fits that strategy at all, but I wouldn't sell him now while his value, his value is this low. I would wait until, you know, after the first three weeks of the season when we should see him jump up after he gets his first couple touchdowns on the year. Yeah, he's a he's a guy that also I feel like if you have an elite tight end like a Mark Andrews or a Kyle Pitts, like he's a pretty low investment trade target that you can get as a contender to kind of shore up your tight end depth. And then if he starts turning in, you know, this is just like a, a sequence of events that I could see happening. Like say he starts turning in that top six performance week after week, right? You can either sell him for a profit or you can sell the elite, you know, option for the a Kittle mega profit, or, or whoever, yeah, right? Yeah. A mega profit and then just increase the value of your team, you know, by, by a good margin. I think that's really interesting. Trey, would you rather have on your contending dynasty team, let's say Zach Ertz or Noah Fant? Oh man, I, I gotta say Ertz, you know, I think with Fant where it's the breakout is going to be another year delayed. You know, he's a guy I was super high on last year. I don't think there was really any excuse for him not to put it together last season. So he's definitely somebody that I'm a little bit lower on than I was. Whereas with Ertz, I'm I'm confident you're going to get, you know, top six production this year. So yeah, I, that's the guy for me. Yeah, especially in those first six weeks without DeAndre Hopkins. Um, yes, sir. Kyler loves him some Ertz regardless. All right. Let me recap our tight ends really quickly. My reputation tight end was Dallas Goddard. Mitch begrudgingly, you know, <laughs> at, at at my behest. Following some arm twisting. Chose a tight end after I twisted his arm and went with Dallas Cowboys tight end Dalton Infinity Schultz. And then Trey closed us out with Zach Ertz. All right. So that will close out our reputation players for 2022. Uh, John still has to give us his running back and tight end. But uh, let me ask each of y'all really quick to just tell us what your wide receiver and quarterback were from last week. And then uh, that that way, you know, we have it all nice and wrapped up. So Trey, really quickly, who is your wide receiver and quarterback reputation players? All right. My wide receiver reputation player is Deontay Johnson. And my quarterback reputation player is Tua Tungavailoa. All right. And Mitch? I got Justin Fields as my quarterback and Allen Robinson as my wide receiver. Love it. And my quarterback was Lamar Jackson and my wide receiver was Elijah Moore. So go get these players. You know, if, if you trust what we're saying, if you if you trust our reputation to stay intact through the duration of the season, you should go target these players. Um, had a great time going over these reputation players this year. You know, hopefully the second year of many that we do this. So uh, with that, we'll go ahead and close out. Thanks for listening, guys. We will see y'all next week. All right. Later, guys. Long game, slowly but surely.